Are you tired of the cookie cutter approach to education that's stuck in the last century? Are you seeking a win-win situation where your family thrives, your kid's education is revolutionary, and you still get to chase your own dreams? Welcome to Unschooled Unleashed. Unlock your child's genius. I'm your host, Matthew Jarecki, an unapologetic rebel dad and promoter of what many consider to be educational anarchy. You know the world isn't going to be won by those that just toe the line. It's the innovators, the visionaries, and the resilient spirits that are going to thrive. Our mission here is to forge those world changers within our very homes with less stress, energy, and time. Unschooled, Unleashed starts now. Welcome back to another fantastic episode of Unschooled Unleashed. I'm your host, Matthew Jarecki, and today we're going to talk about boredom and possibly reframing it as a superpower in home education. This episode is going to cover boredom's potential in home education, as well as the uh, how to maximize boredom's benefits and implementing some intentional unschooling strategies using boredom as the main tool. But before we dive into the episode, I'd like to read a question I got from a listener about last week's episode on how to encourage your kids to start reading. And it says, hi, Matthew, I've been listening to your podcast for a while now. Thank you for sharing your wisdom. I just had a quick question. I'm listening to your last podcast about teaching kiddos how to read. My youngest doesn't like to sit down and read. He's five and a half. He just wants to play. So that's what we do. I love your idea about letting kids stay up and read. My boys share a room, dot, dot, dot. Any ideas on how to get them to actually read and not play or talk? And what books do your boys like to read, look through? Thanks for your help, Heather. Now, I already replied to Heather, but I wanted to read what I said because I thought it might help some of you. So here we go. Hi, Heather. Thank you for reaching out. I'm honored. Personally, I tried not to stress about my boys not wanting to sit and read and instead just play. And that is hard, if not impossible. Ha ha. Keep in mind that the more you try and get him to read, the more resistant he may become, especially if he's a strong-willed child. My boys shared a room as well, and all they did was play in the beginning. We were very consistent with explaining what quiet time was and holding them to it. When we heard them playing during quiet time, we intervened. I find that if you explain the why and they understand it, they are much more likely to follow through with the request, even at young ages. Consistency, patience, and diligence is key. As far as books my sons enjoyed at five, they liked anything about dinosaurs, astronauts, space, cars, and animals. We tried to focus on anything they were interested in at the time and make sure that was available. Also, they loved anything from Mo Williams' Pigeon series or Elephant and Piggy. Really, anything by Mo was a hit, and he has a ton more. He does a great job, and it is great for beginners. Sandra Boynton, spelled B-O-Y-N-T-O-N, also has some great books like Barnyard Dance, Moo, Ba, La La La, and more. We made a run to the library every week. Now that they are 8 and 10, they are into Diary of a Wimpy Kid and Captain Underpants. Kids encyclopedias and anything they can explore is a hit right now too. The best thing I did was take early action just like you are. As the parent, we have complete control of their life at that age. I kept trying different things to see what works and found each kid responds differently. With that being said, one of my best tools is boredom. 
I may make an episode about that in the future. Well, that's what I'm doing today. (laughs) Uh, I continue to respond. I keep creating times where learning is the best option to not be bored. Freedom with boundaries. Example, quiet times, stay awake, up, wake up early and read books in the car, dot, dot, dot. Of course, you must do all the basic things like making sure the books are available that he may be interested in, as well as the rest of the standard advice you might find on the internet. Hopefully that email was helpful to some of you. And with the conclusion of that email, let's dive in. Boredom is a superpower in home education. Hear me out here. It may be the key to unlocking any kind of issues you've been having to motivate your children to do things. So let's start out by unpacking boredom's potential. First, boredom can foster creativity and self-motivation. It serves as a basically a blank canvas for imagination. When kids are bored, they start looking for something to do and they start using their creativity and start problem solving and they get really motivated. The difference between negative idleness, just sitting around and doing nothing, and productive boredom is, I think idleness is more of just avoiding doing things. And productive boredom is, I don't know what to do, so I'm going to invent something because I can't stand sitting here not doing anything. So creating these opportunities for productive boredom might actually motivate them to do something, including uh, something creative, because they have to kind of invent it themselves. And I don't solve my kids' problems as far as that's concerned, uh, with one exception that I'll cover later. (laughs) Now, um, some practical things that my kids have done to solve their own boredom is things like they're making stuff out of uh, toilet paper rolls. You know, the empty ones. I mean, my kids are only five, eight, and 10. So they're uh, grabbing stuff around the house that we might consider trash and making stuff out of it, like rockets or swords or something like that. In addition, they'll get out a sketchbook. We got plenty of paper sitting around, plenty of markers, uh, all that stuff. And they might make sketches or they might make some kind of fort or we've even seen them. And this is kind of crazy. They make newsletters and, you know, they write down a whole bunch of stuff. And that's pretty interesting, too. In fact, they decided out of the blue, I have no idea where they've got this idea that they're going to make a newsletter subscription service and give weekly newsletters for a small nominal fee (laughs) of $10 10 or $20, uh, which is pretty steep for us. But uh, believe it or not, it uh, some of my some of my family has uh, subscribed, which is super motivating for them. But that all stemmed from boredom. In addition, they've uh, created costumes from stuff laying around the house, some stuff that wore costumes, you know, make, like making superheroes and just playing dress up and doing all the fun creative stuff that they normally do uh, when they are bored. I mean, boredom is like, I don't want to say it is the secret sauce. I I would need to think a little bit more about that, but I'm tempted 
after making an entire episode about boredom, that that might be the secret sauce to unschooling is it just creates a whole bunch of time where you're just like kind of bored sitting around and like, what can I do? And you find something that actually entertains you and finds that you're interested in. And then you continue to grow and you dive into it and it keeps you occupied as opposed to someone just sitting around telling you what to do. And now you're bored doing something and learning to hate it. Moving on, um, I want to talk about structuring boredom for growth. And this is deliberately creating moments of boredom as a strategic teaching tool. And that's, uh, that's, that's something I definitely do by establishing routines that include downtime and balancing guided, guided activities with basically just free, unstructured time. Now, I've talked about this in the past. We often, and this was actually in the last episode, how we when we put the kids to bed, it isn't, you know, it's bedtime, but bedtime doesn't mean go to sleep time. And they know this bedtime means quiet time. And anytime we have quiet time, that means we can do anything we want as long as we're quiet and not disturbing other people. So that doesn't, that means we're not jumping around and stuff. We're letting everyone go to sleep if they want, but you can do stuff in your bed. That's quiet. Now my kids' beds are absolutely packed with books and crafts. And I actually, the past week I've been trying to clean the room and put in new shelves and additional bookshelves and create all, all the space for all the stuff that they have that they do in their bedroom because they do quite a bit, uh, during these evening quiet times. And we also let them wake up early and do it as well. We also have times for quiet throughout the day. Um, that's something that we've kind of wandered away from, but I'll probably bring back at some point. But they are so creative in their uh, pursuit not to be bored that they end up doing a ton of stuff. And I just get to see little humans, you know, kids that were just screaming who only want to be nursed and held uh, all of a sudden start creating these, I don't know, really creative things and really cool things. And it's all from their imagination and their direction. I'm not prompting this at all. It's just like, Hey, be quiet. You can do stuff that's in your quiet time. So creating these structured times to be bored will lead to creativity given enough time. I mean, every kid, what's the worst thing you can do is make them bored. It's like the worst thing for a kid. So kids who can stay self-occupied, I think it's a pretty good thing. And when they use it for their education, I mean, even better. I mean, obviously, uh, entertaining yourself is something as well, but I'm, that's not what I'm talking about today. I'm talking about creating these structured times to help them grow uh, and learn. Moving on, maximizing boredom's benefits is our, is our next segment. And... In this section, we're going to talk about cultivating creativity through these constraints. So we're going to use limitations such as restricted screen time as well to encourage creative thinking and problem solving. And I think structuring specific times for screens fosters alternative activities because every kid wants a screen. And although we can utilize screens to do a lot of education, I think it's very beneficial in fact, restricting it and having them do other stuff has them not tune out and just listen or watch or whatever they're doing or play. They have to actually 
be creative uh, in their head. And, you know, this does this, this is, uh, I think, I think screens inhibit sometimes, at least they inhibit their creative output. And when they don't have these screens, they start looking for other resources that they might have on hand, for example, the paper, to- paper towel rolls. Now, something else that I've noticed when we restrict screens and they've already gone through their morning routine where they're playing around and they're doing you know whatever they want in the morning because they're usually really creative and they play games that uh, where they're characters or they're, um, I don't know, stuff like that. Uh, when I restrict screens, especially in the afternoon, I've noticed that the kids actually go outside. And even today when it was uh, 38 degrees and snowing, they still got outside and got some activity and they were asking for it. And gosh, the more I can get my kids outside, the better, I swear. Like, especially January in Cleveland. Um, I want to make sure that they're getting enough steps and you know physical activity that they're healthy. So very, 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 very good and would not happen unless they were bored. I also see them make up games on the fly and I even like it better when they go outside and make up these games on the fly because they're getting all that activity. But limiting screens has led to a lot of creative play. Next, we're going to cover encouraging independence and self-sufficiency and boredom as a tool for developing the self-reliance and independence. So unoccupied time pushes children to make decisions to entertain themselves, right? And if they're trying to entertain their self, they're not depending on me. Now they're using their creativity and... Uh, they're motivated to try and find a solution to their problem on their own. And I, and I really just inherent in, uh, intuitively think that that's probably a good thing, even though I can't describe exactly why, but I mean, you can see why maybe solving your own problems might be a good thing in the future. So I think maybe that's self-evident to a point. And parents then move to, uh, to overseeing them from a distance and they allow their children to navigate their own problems. And I think that's pretty cool. We often lead, leave uh, a lot of days completely just open. And this has led to like small household projects where I might not have anything planned, they don't. And oftentimes when we have that, we might do something as a family but sometimes it means, hey, look, I see this room is really a mess and we're gonna clean that up today. And when the kids are bored, that is the best time to do this. Well, for my kids, I can see that going very, very poorly if you don't frame it right. But it's not like they're coming to me saying, hey, we're bored. It's more of like, they're just kind of wandering around the house and I say something about, Hey, let's uh let's get all that stuff into a box that you have so that way you don't lose it. You know, framing it the right way, of course, is important. So we're gonna organize a whole bunch of stuff so you can always find your stuff and then we're gonna decorate those boxes with uh whatever stickers you want. You're gonna put your name on it. That kind of stuff. I, I my my kids didn't give me any problem when I said that. And uh 
you know, this was after Christmas and we started cleaning up everything and just organizing, put all in our toys away. And that's really what prompted it. They didn't complain at all. In fact, they wanted to do it. It seemed if, if I had to guess just because, uh, I mean, they really, they were really bored. They knew they couldn't get on screens. Video games weren't an option, all that fun stuff. Also chores, uh, encouraging chores like, Hey, you want to make some money? Cause we, we pay them for certain chores. Like, Hey, maybe you could, uh, do some of these chores. And all of the sudden they're interested. They might be cleaning, you know, whatever, whatever we ask. So very cool strategy. In the next segment, I want to talk about implementing intentional in schooling, starting with balancing freedom and guidance. Now with intentional in schooling, I did make a whole episode about this. And what I, what I, what is called intentional in schooling, what I mean by that is we're going to unschool them, which means we back off. It's child led interest-based, but then we're going to give them all the tools to do whatever they're interested in and whatever they want to do. And we're going to support them on a 10 out of 10 level. So strategically combining unschooling with structured support to optimize learning and development. So you could uh, set up an environment that encourages self-led exploration within a safe, uh, within safe and constructive boundaries and then help them do some kind of independent learning activity while being uh, available for guidance. So this fits right in with intentional and schooling. And really you're only going to get that type of motivation if either what you're offering is better than what they're currently doing or they're bored. So boredom is like that superpower to actually get them motivated to do some cool stuff. And your job is just to show up and give, make them not make them, uh, show up and give them the tools to be successful. So some personal examples on this are math at the table. You would think, you would think if you were an, if you went to school and you were sending your kids to school and you've tried to do homework with them, that no kid would ever ask to do math in their free time. I'm telling you, my kids ask to do math in their free time because they're bored, because it sounds better than what they're currently doing. And of course, with intentional in schooling, we're providing these, uh, we're providing the guidance of like, Hey, this is something you might, that might actually help you in the future. And it can be fun learning it. Uh, they take these opportunities. They know why they want to learn it and they do. And it's just a fun breakup and they get to spend time with me, which is, uh, you know, spending time with dad's a cool thing, especially at a young age. We, we can even, and this, this is something I have not employed yet, but I've been wanting to. So I'll just put it out there. We could even put on like one of those boring educational shows that you would love your kids to watch, you know, like, uh, I don't know, a documentary about leopards or, you know, something on national geographic or, uh, one of those types of channels, anything that, uh, David Attenborough would be narrating, <clears throat> you know, stuff like that. But I mean, there's a lot of good stuff out there. It's just kind of boring material. It's, it's very information dense, but I'll tell you what, a boring educational show on a screen is better than boredom. 
you wouldn't believe it. We strategically use screens. We put up stuff that they might not necessarily like, but uh, I mean, we can honestly put up anything and let's just stare at the screen. So we, we use that also intentionally. Pretty crazy. Moving on, there are some challenges in boredom. There is a lot of initial resistance if you've never tried to create bored, you know, these quiet times or whatever, you know, creating these opportunities to be bored and they're not, they're used to having maybe all their problems solved, they're used to being told what to do constantly or always entertained or always socializing. You know, the kids, kids get bored, right? And restless and I don't know. And then they start coming to you and they start saying, what can I do? What can I do? I'm bored. I'm bored. I'm bored. And what they're asking for is video games, really. But we do have uh, some te techniques for helping children transition from a state of boredom to one of engaging in something productive, maybe educational, creative, that kind of thing. And that is do it over and over and over again. I think showing this type of persistence that you are not going to solve their problem is the only way to allow them to take ownership of this problem and then they start getting creative. Remember, creative creativity and problem solving is one of the benefits from creating these boredom experiences. Now again, my personal story, I shouldn't say my personal story, my, my uh, personal example that I always have is that uh, my kids will come to me and they used to do this all the time. They'd come to me and complain. I'm bored, dad, what can I do? What can I do? You know, especially if I'm withholding something they want like a screen. So I'm bored, I'm bored, I'm bored, I'm bored. And eventually what I had to do, because I would, I would, I would tell them over and over again, yeah, I know maybe, maybe you could do this, maybe you could do that. And I would just make all these suggestions, suggestions trying to solve the boredom. And then I realized that they really don't want me to solve the problem. They just want to play that video game. Right? So they're trying to pester me to get me to, uh, give in. And then I came up with this phrase. Oh, you want me to solve this? Okay, well, I can help you not be bored. And it only takes one time of them signing up for this to have them not ask anymore. And that's give them something that they absolutely don't want to do. It sounds absolutely cruel, but it's the truth. <laughs> I don't remember what I did. But he, my, my oldest was at a very young age and he's like, I'm bored, I'm bored, I'm bored. And I, I, I probably told him something like, we're going to go, I mean, clean the toilet or something like that. And he was just like, no, I don't want to do that. You know, And I'm like, well, don't ask me to solve your problems because if you ask me again, we're going to go in and I'm going to teach you how to clean the toilet. And that stopped. And eventually he took ownership and he started finding solutions to his problems. And, you know, I think that's even where coding came from. It was an opportunity to be bored. Hopefully this this episode about creating these boredom opportunities and how, how you can actually utilize this in your home education was helpful to you in some way. I really do think that this might be the secret sauce that will fix a lot of your issues in unschooling or even home education because I think a lot of people really just want to kind of push their kids and then 
then you know it makes them hate it. But if you back off and you create these board opportunities, they're coming to you asking for something to do. And if you follow the unschooling approach, you're going to dive into what they're interested in. And I think it can be really beneficial and potentially game-changing. So with that, stay curious, stay unschooled, and stay away from the algebra nightmares. I'll catch you in the next episode. Parents, are you terrified your unschooled child isn't learning enough? Or are you a homeschooling veteran eager to level up by incorporating in unschooling principles? Maybe you're newly venturing into homeschooling and already doubting your decision. Whatever the stage, overwhelm is real, but it doesn't have to be. I'm Matthew Jarecki from Unschooled Unleashed, and I've got huge news. I'm thrilled to introduce Homeschool Rescue, Unschooled Unleashed's signature coaching package. Whether you're all in on unschooling or just dipping a toe, this tailored coaching package is your roadmap to a confident and thriving education no matter how hectic life gets. Bold moves make bright futures. Join our homeschool rescue coaching program through the link in the description and set your child's genius free. So here's where we roll up our sleeves and bring out the big guns. If you support our mission, then please leave a review. On Unschooled Unleashed, we are talking about using a radical approach to education in today's world. And the more five-star reviews we have, the more people will feel comfortable with the ideas, strategies, and principles we discuss. It gives legitimacy to our message and the podcast's algorithm prioritizes us so we can reach more people. You may even have your five-star review read on our podcast. Before I let you go, I have to pause and say this from the bottom of my heart. Thank you. Your presence here is the fuel that ignites this movement. I am incredibly moved that you trust in us enough to click play. You, my friends, are the caped heroes in this story, the guardians of your family's learning journey, and a beacon of hope for your community. Be bold. Do what you think is best for you and your family. Thanks again for tuning in and taking this courageously outside of the box for this educational revolution. Welcome to the front line.